All right, good to see everyone this morning. And again, happy Father's Day. You know, it's interesting during the, the course of uh, a, a Father's Day Sunday, one of the things I, I often think about in preparing a message for Father's Day is like, okay, well, Father's Day is obviously a, a special time on our calendar, but it's also, for some people, a day that they would say, well, what does that have to do with me? Because even as I look around the room, you know, I see some folks that are fathers, some folks that aren't fathers. And uh, I think a lot of times, you know, when you look at something like this, what we're about to look at, several things, you might, might almost be tempted to look at it and say, well, this message is for somebody else. But I want to show you a few things from Scripture this morning that, first of all, I, I hope it will be a pep talk for, for dads. I hope it will be a genuine encouragement for you because I think those of us that are serving in that role definitely need that frequently. And, and, and I think, you know, in this day and age, it's certainly nice and helpful to see what Scripture says that can be principles that apply to godly fatherhood. But I think you'll also see, whether you're a father or not, that the principles that we're about to look at are pretty much universal as we seek to grow as followers of Christ. And so some of the things I'll talk about today are, are really targeted toward dads, but you'll also see a very direct application to wherever you are in your season of life. And I hope it's really an encouragement for each of us. So let me have a word of prayer, and then we're going to take a look at these things together. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege to be able to look at your word together today. And Lord, we're grateful that today on this Father's Day that we have the opportunity to celebrate the fathers that you have blessed us with and, and uh, the fathers that, that some of us have had the privilege to be. Lord, we're just grateful that you give us the example of how that's supposed to operate and what that's supposed to look like. And we pray, Lord, that as we look at a variety of scriptures this morning, that you would encourage our hearts, that you'd fill us with your spirit, and that you'd remind us of your presence with us right now. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. So I, I don't think it's uh, a statement that is... Um, an understatement when I say that our culture thrives when fathers remain involved in the lives of their children. I think households thrive. I think neighborhoods thrive. I think communities thrive. I also think the, the church thrives. But it's also very obvious that some corners of our society don't necessarily agree with that sentiment. We live in a very confused era. Sometimes I think, you know, what What's the best word to describe the era in which we live in? And sometimes I just land on that word confused. I feel like we live in a very confused area or era. We are several generations removed or several generations deep in a social experiment where a father's influence in his home is being minimized, either because he has chosen to abdicate his responsibilities or because his absence is either, it may, may be encouraged through various financial subsidies or, or something like that. But historically, in cultures and in communities where fathers are actively present, there's less crime, there's more structure, and there's also more accountability. But when they're absent, everyone is impacted. But my thoughts today are not going to be primarily directed toward those who abdicate their responsibilities. This morning, I, I want to speak to fathers who are faithful to their families and fathers who are faithful to their responsibilities because this world needs your presence and your contribution to this culture, your contribution to the church is significant and it's appreciated. And in fact, if you're feeling discouraged or maybe even if you're feeling 
tired right now. I hope that some of what I, I share today will actually lift you up and be an encouragement because you're the ones who realize that the perspective that the next generation has toward God is going to be heavily impacted by your care and by your guidance and by your protection and by the love that you demonstrate. You're the ones who understand the weight of your responsibility, and we're immensely grateful that the Lord has chosen to bless this world with your presence, and so we want to honor that. And one of the things that Scripture points out to us, and we're, I'm going to read a variety of Scriptures this morning, but one of the things that, that I think that you can see illustrated in Scriptures is that, first of all, your protective care is something that this world desperately needs. Let me read for us from 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3. And you're welcome to hop around with me today as we look at a variety of scriptures. But there's an interesting statement made in 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 3. It says this. It says, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you, and then notice this word, and guard you against the evil one. Again, it says, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. Now, uh, I've been waiting to, to share about this on a, a, a Sunday. I've, some of you that I'm connected with online have already seen that I've shared a little something about this, but this summer I decided to do something that completely interrupts my weekly routine, completely, like in a big way. So many of you know that for years, I've actually done this for 25 plus years, for years I've taken Mondays off as just a day off to kind of reset my system a little bit. And uh, I think you probably understand, you know, just the nature of pastoral work, especially the counseling aspect of pastoral work. It requires me to spend time with our families who are in the midst of pretty heavy seasons and, and some pretty painful trials. And because I haven't figured out a way to be an unfeeling person, I don't think you would want me to be an unfeeling person, right? I don't want to be an unfeeling person. Uh, what, I, what I've noticed is, okay, it's a privilege to walk with people in the midst of those heavy seasons. But I need to figure out a way to reset my system a little bit so that I'm energized and ready for a new week to be able to meet with people and pray with people and do things like that. So I actually have a pattern. On Mondays, if you've ever noticed I'm a little bit hard to reach on Mondays, not impossible, but a little bit hard. I'm actually purposely a little hard to reach on Mondays because I don't carry my phone around with me typically on Mondays. I kind of put it away and uh, I try and just do something physical. So I'll usually like mow my lawn or work in my garage or try and fix whatever you know, needs repair around the house or something like, or even just exercise. Some of you right now are saying, you should probably do the exercise one more. You know, like that, that wouldn't be okay. Um, I'll work on that someday. Uh, but I do try and do something physical on Monday because it kind of resets my system a little bit, resets my mind. And so uh, most Mondays for the past few decades, that's what I've been doing. But this summer I had an idea. Now, I've tried to spare you the pain of having to hear me talk about this over and over again because there are certain things that show up as repeated themes in my sermons, and I realized in listening back to some of my messages that the phrase Knobles has come up many times in previous messages. And, um, and, you know, a few months ago, I noticed they were starting to do job fairs and things like that. And if you don't know what Knobles is, it's the best amusement park in America, and it's right here in Pennsylvania. Our family always took our kids there. The place was actually started by a pastor over 100 years ago, and and uh, just a wonderful place, and so our family's always gone there. And I started thinking a few months ago, just really like a daydream, I, I said, wouldn't it be fun to be a ride operator at Knobles for a day? I thought, wouldn't it be fun? And Andrea has, has, has to hear me talk about this, and she's so patient, and she's like, that's nice, that's nice. 
And then I got this idea. I was like, wait a second. They, along with most companies, are extremely desperate for help right now. And then I got this idea. What if I, and my daughter Julia has Mondays off too from the hair salon she works at. And I, I said, what if I call them or contact them through their website, initially it was, and just say, any chance you would want a guy that doesn't live anywhere near where you're at to just come one day a week and operate rides just on Mondays during the summer. Figure if there was ever an era in history where they would honor a very strange request like that, uh, that this might be my chance, right? That this might be my chance. I was like, I'll have to figure out another time during the week to mow the lawn because if Knobel says yes, I want to do it. So they, they called me. And they said, this is very unconventional. And it was very interesting because I had to submit a resume and stuff like that. And they're looking through my pastoral experience and things. And they're like, what, what do you want to do? I was like, I literally just want to push the button that says go and makes those things spin. And, uh, and, and uh, he said, you know, this is very unconventional. But if you could come up for an interview, um, you know, we'll consider it. And so Julia and I, the day after Easter, we were near family. We were visiting family for Easter. And uh, the day after, we drove there and met with them, and we had a quick interview, and my supervisor, Nick, uh, said, welcome to the team. And he reached out his hand. So the past two Mondays, I've gone up to Knobles, and I've been operating rides on Mondays. Now, I'm exhausted when I get back because it's a long drive, but it's so fun, and it's so enjoyable, and it allows me to, to delay my, my maturity like just a little bit longer, and... You know, when you look at it, like, think about, and you're, right now some of you are like, how, John, does this tie into today's message? Well, you could tell me if I do a good job tying this in or not, but what does that task involve? I've done it two Mondays now. Tomorrow I'm going to do it again. What does it involve? Well, it involves operating rides. It involves interacting with guests. It involves making sure that children are protected from harm or injury. That's what I spend my entire Monday doing making sure nobody gets hurt and that they have a nice time. So I spend every Monday checking height requirements and making sure restraints are secure and then just maintaining order in the line as, as kids are lined up so that they could have a day of lighthearted fun. Essentially, I'm being paid to provide protective care to guests all day long. That's why they hire a ride operator. And when you read through the scriptures, when you look at a portion of scripture, even like we just read from 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, it becomes very, very clear that God is actively providing protective care for his children. Not passively providing it, but actively providing protective care for his children. He's been doing this ever since he created us, even though there are seasons when we have actively rebelled against the help that he offers. But God knows better than we do the problems and the pitfalls and all the things that surround us. And he also knows many of these issues that are taking place in the spiritual realm that at times we aren't even aware of. Scripture reminds us that we have a spiritual enemy who actively works against God's people. He threatens us. He threatens our families. He threatens our churches as well. That's something that, as the Apostle Paul was writing the, the letter to the church at Thessalonica that I just read from, that was something that Paul reminded the early church about, and it's something that we need to remember as well, that there's a, a spiritual enemy actively working against us. And when Paul was explaining the reality of the, the spiritual threats that, that would come against the church in Thessalonica, he wanted them to understand both sides of what would be taking place. So he made it clear that evil was seeking to harm them and seeking to hinder their work, but he also wanted them to understand that God is faithful, that God would be faithful to them. 
and would guard them against these attacks. It comforts my heart when I look at portions of Scripture like that and, and where just the fatherly care of God gets illustrated because God is very intentional about providing care for His children. And when we look at His example, when we look even just at a brief sentence like we read in 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 3, we see in His example the fact that fathers are given a blueprint on how to handle things that threaten the well-being of our families. We're encouraged to anticipate these things. When you look at God's example, we're encouraged to anticipate these things. We're encouraged to be on guard against these things. We're actually encouraged to actively seek to prevent them from harming our children. Your protective care is something this world desperately needs. And it's something that ultimately can mirror the heart of our Lord. Now, there's something else that I think Scripture helps us to understand by way of example, and that's this. I think that this, this could be a good encouragement to us, and I think there are some days we need this encouragement more than, more than others, but I believe your words are being heard even if it seems like they're being ignored. Let me read to us from John chapter 10. Just two verses, two things, that, or two verses that we could read from John t- chapter 10, verses 27 and 28, that Jesus said about this concept, about words being heard. This is what he said related to his voice. He said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Words are powerful things. And when you look at what's presented here for us in the Gospel of John. You have Jesus, he he spoke here of those who would hear his voice. And he said his sheep would hear him. He also reveals that he would know them deeply and that they would follow his leading. These are the things that you see him discussing here in this portion of Scripture. This is something that I've been able to experience as a follower of Christ. Hearing the voice of Jesus as he speaks to my heart, clearly makes a difference in the quality of my life. I know that many of you have that same exact testimony. But Jesus also mentions here that he gives eternal life to his sheep. He gives eternal life to his sheep. They will never die. No one can successfully tear his sheep away from him because they're held securely in his hand. These are things that he's telling us to encourage us and and to, to help us understand the nature of what it means to follow him by faith. So what does it do to your heart when you read Jesus speak those things, when you read the fact that he said these things? You know, when you hear these words of Jesus, what does it do to your heart? I know for me it brings me a sense of comfort and it brings me a sense of peace because I know I I have a tendency to, to want to be able to control all elements of all aspects of my life, and frequently there are things that come into my life that remind me I don't have that nature of control. As much as I would like to have it, I don't have it. And you know what? In in a very real way, it's good that I don't, because it's good that the Lord has that. And so for me, it brings a sense of comfort and peace to read these words of Christ. I'm grateful to know that, that my life is being held secure by the very same person who spoke creation into existence. I rejoice in the thought that he knows me personally, that I'm not just a, a number to him, that Scripture refers to me as his friend, that I get to go through my life understanding that not only am I a follower of Christ, but I'm a friend of Christ by faith. I'm particularly grateful for the fact that there is no power in this universe that can tear me away from him. 
as Jesus says in this passage of Scripture. So when Jesus speaks, I want to listen. When Jesus speaks, I want to listen. And I wish I could say that I demonstrated that same kind of courtesy to my parents as a child. I wish I could say that, right? But as you could correctly guess, I did not do that. Um, Yet even in the midst of my seasons of ignorance, and I would also use the word arrogance when I tried to run from their counsel, when I tried to run from the help that I was being given, somehow I would still hear their words. Somehow I would still hear their counsel in my mind. And when the day came and I finally matured, I had to admit that the counsel that I was given at an earlier season was correct. I didn't want to admit it when I was younger, but at a later season and you know, in a retrospective way, you realize, yeah, that was correct counsel. So fathers, do you ever wonder if your children are listening to you? Only always, right? <laughs> uh, I, I certainly wonder that. But every now and then, I've also received confirmation that they indeed are listening in a variety of ways. And I, I have a couple things I'll say about my kids. I don't have their permission to say it, so they're going to be anonymous. So you could guess which one it is, but I'm not going to tell you today. But I'll never forget when one of my children said to me, you know, I used to give you a hard time, but now as I look back on my childhood, I could see that you were right and your advice was good. I just wasn't ready to listen to it. When I heard that, I was like, what? Could that be written down? I feel like we need, a, we need a new decoration in the house somewhere, like just like a quote. I like quotes. You know, that's a, that's one of my, that might be my favorite quote. You know what to tell? I want to show you a portion of Scripture. This is something I really appreciate. Jeremiah 33, 3. The Lord said to Jeremiah, he said, Call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. So I'm grateful for the many ways that the Lord's gone out of his way to communicate with us. I'm I'm grateful for the ways he spoke to Jeremiah and challenged Jeremiah to call on him in prayer. Jeremiah was told that when he called on the Lord, that the Lord would answer him and reveal hidden things that Jeremiah was not aware of. And isn't it a blessing to know that we can come to the Lord and that we can seek the wisdom that he supplies Isn't it also a blessing to know that one of the ways he's revealed his wisdom is through the lips and the lives of our earthly fathers? It's one of the things that the Lord's done many, many times, and I'm sure that there are many testimonies of that right here in this room. Third word of encouragement that I'd like to give fathers today, and that's this. You're going to need wisdom to dispense justice and mercy in correct proportion. What do I mean by that? Well, let me read something to you, to you here from James chapter 1, verse 5. It says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all, without reproach, and it will be given him. So there's an interesting balancing act that a father is often trying to navigate. It's the balance between dispensing justice and dispensing mercy. I think we're often trying to figure out what would be the best for our children when it comes to their training and when it comes to their growth. Would punishing them or reprimanding them be the most effective thing? Or, or should, we, should we show them mercy in a, a particular context, you know, just in, in the hopes that that undeserved compassion would help them learn something new? It's a delicate balancing act that as a father, you oftentimes find yourself really wrestling through. Is this a moment for justice? Is this a moment for mercy? I remember debating this with my wife when one of our children was three years old. 
We honestly couldn't tell if he was maybe abnormally witty for his age, when he would have like a sarcastic comment after we would discipline him. I was like, is, he, is, is this child just funny? Like, he might just be funny. Like, it just made me like he's got a really good sense of humor. And then we, we were like, no, wait, like, maybe this is bad. Like, maybe we should discipline this. Is this, is this a moment for justice, mercy, or humor? Like, I, we couldn't figure it out sometimes. We're like, that was genuinely funny. I don't know. I, I, I'm laughing. Maybe I shouldn't let him see me laugh. And all throughout the years, I found myself just like debating this. You know, the, whether a particular moment requires justice or whether it requires mercy, or whether it requires a delicate blend of both. And sometimes it's based on the context, and sometimes it's based on the personality of the individual child, and often it's based on the prompting the Holy Spirit gives your heart when you're asking the Lord for wisdom to know what to do in any given moment. Well, our Lord is perfectly just, and our Lord is perfectly merciful. And you look at the attributes of God that are illustrated for us in Scripture. So our desire... As, as men who are seeking to be godly men, our desire is to mirror his heart and to mirror his intentions as we train our children. That's why I'm grateful that we could ask him for wisdom to know how to complete the task that he's entrusted to us. I also love what Scripture reveals to us in James 3.17. Let me read it for us. It says, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial, and sincere. Now, I know that my words are targeted toward dads today, but is that not a wonderful verse for all of us? Don't we all need that counsel? Mothers, don't you need that counsel? Friends, don't you need that counsel? Grandparents, don't you need it as well? You know, the wisdom from above, we need it. And it shows us how the wisdom from above reflects the heart of God. It's pure, it's peaceable, it's gentle. It's open to reason, it's full of mercy and good fruits, it's impartial, it's sincere. This is something that we need from God. All of us need this, but we particularly need this when we find ourselves in a position where we're influencing or training or raising the next generation. Every day I feel like I'm reminded of the fact that I need the wisdom that only the Lord can fully supply. It's always, it always seems to be something that can bring me to my knees in prayer to remind me of that. And much of that prayer life throughout the course of my adult years has really targeted, or it's really been prompted, I should say, out of genuine concern for the children that the Lord's blessed my wife and I with. Children make their parents pray. <laughs> Do they not? Why are you laughing? It's because you know it's true. And children, hey, I just want to thank every one of the children in this room for improving your parents' prayer life. They are spiritual people because of your influence, so thank you. Thank them today. Be nice to them today. Be nice to your dads today. But if I had to navigate fatherhood without his guidance, you know, without the Lord's guidance, I don't know what I would do. If I had to navigate this without the wisdom that he supplies, I don't know what I would do. I think we all make mistakes, but I know I'd make a lot more. Um, one other thing I want to point out to us today, and I hope it encourages your heart if you're in the midst of this process of raising children, and that's this. The work you're doing will be valued most when it's remembered. The work you're doing is going to be valued most when it's remembered. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 7, has a very, it makes a very interesting statement, something that I really appreciate. It says this, it says, The memory of the righteous is a blessing, but the name of the wicked will rot. But focus again on that first part of that statement. The memory of the righteous is a blessing. 
So in addition to our church, I've had the privilege to serve in pastoral leadership in three other churches. And one of the pastors who served one of those churches sometime after me, he gave me a call one afternoon with a question. It was kind of an interesting question. But he said this, and I'm paraphrasing, but essentially he said, I'm feeling frustrated. He said, I'm trying to lead well, and I'm trying to help the church become a healthy and vibrant ministry in our community, but I feel unappreciated, and I'm struggling to get volunteer help. He said, I can't get anyone to step up and volunteer. And he also said, I'm also dealing with a lot of criticism and comparison. I never hear anything good about what I'm doing. I only hear about the great work of my predecessors. What should I do? That was his comment. What would you respond to that? He's like, I only ever hear about the great work of my predecessors. What should I do? And I felt bad when I heard him say this. So I admitted something to him that I think cheered him up a little bit. And I told them, guess what? When I served there, I had a very similar experience. I received a healthy dose of comparison and criticism. Um, but I, I said, I learned something years later. I said, I learned that the best way to be appreciated in that church is to leave. <laughs> it was like, the best way to be appreciated, I wasn't, by the way, I was not encouraging him to leave. I was saying this like tongue in cheek, but it's kind of true. Um, and I, I also told him, I said, listen, in, I, I've spoken to several of our predecessors, and they've told me the same exact thing. It's just like the personality of that church. They, I don't even know that they know they're doing it. I don't even think they mean it when they're doing it. Because what they do is they demonize you when you're serving, and they deify you once you're gone. They demonize you while you're serving. They deify you once you're gone. And in a strange way, I think fathers have the same experience, don't they? Think about that for a second. While you're serving your children, you'll experience seasons when you're defied, when you're ignored, when you're rebelled against, and when your decisions will be criticized. But time will pass, and the years will add up, and it may happen in your lifetime, or it may happen sometime afterward, but the investment that you made in the lives of those children will indeed be valued. But here's the ironic thing about it. It's often most valued when it's finished, not when it's, an in, not when it's in process. It's often most valued when it's finished, not while it's in process. So if the Lord blesses you with being a father, I would say you should thank him for the opportunity. It's going to be the hardest thing you ever do, but you should thank him for the opportunity because it's going to teach you things. I, I think it will refine your character. I do believe that it can be part of the sanctification process that the Lord brings us through because it teaches us more about the heart of God and it stretches us in ways that, that uh, we did not think we were prepared to be stretched. I think it will exhaust your body. I think it will stretch your faith. Um, Ironically, I think you're probably going to learn to trust the Lord more deeply as you go through the process, but I also think that your appreciation for the investments that the Lord's made in your life and the sacrifices that He's made on your behalf, I think that's certainly going to grow. So on this Father's Day, I just want to say this. I am so grateful for our Heavenly Father and for those who humbly look to His example and rely on His power to guide their children and lead their families. Grateful that there are guys that choose to do that. Your work is valued, and this world is a better place because you are in it, 
And so I would encourage us, continue to listen to the Lord's counsel. Just as Christ reminded us, continue to listen to his voice. Continue to rely on his instruction. And in the seasons when you're being stretched, let those be opportunities where you learn to trust in the Lord more, allow him to do the work that only he can do, and use those as opportunities to grow in reliance on him and and develop a fervent and robust prayer life where you're in constant communion and communication with him because we will need his wisdom. We all need his wisdom. But fathers, today I want to encourage you, seek the wisdom of God for the task that he's entrusted to you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege that it is to be able to look at a variety of things today, even as we're just thinking about the nature of what what we celebrate today. As a culture, we celebrate fathers today, and we're just so grateful for the fathers you've blessed us with and for the fathers that some of us are and for the fathers that some of us one day will become. It's a lofty responsibility. It's a weighty responsibility. Some people in this world abdicate it, and some people in this world embrace it. So, Lord, we pray that, that whether we personally are fathers or not, that we would give you praise and thank you for godly fathers and for the role that they have in society and in the church. Lord, thank you for those who are leaning heavily on you and for those who are relying on you. Thank you for those who follow your example and listen to your voice. And thank you, Lord, for the blessing that it is to be able to look at what your word says as it reveals your heart to us. We want to follow your example. We want to demonstrate what it looks like to follow you and to listen to you. And Lord, we want to act in such a way that that your attributes, the things that Scripture reveals to us about you, can be seen in the ways in which we treat our children. So Lord, we pray that you would demonstrate those things through us, that you would give them a picture of you through us. And Lord, also today, we just want to thank you for those that, that do double duty, those who really are, are making up for fathers that aren't really fulfilling their role. And Lord, I know that there are those in this room, there are mothers, there are grandparents, there are aunts and uncles and friends that are filling in that gap. And so, Lord, we pray that you'd give them an extra measure of strength and encouragement today. We pray that they would feel valued and seen by you. We pray, Lord, that you would give them the wisdom that they need and the strength and the encouragement to know that they are being faithful to the task that you've entrusted to them as hard as it may be. So, Lord, we're just so grateful that whatever our needs may be, that we can bring these things before your throne and that you remind us time and time again that you're present with us. We love you, Lord. We commit ourselves, we commit our children, we commit every opportunity to serve them that you give to us. We commit it all to you today, and we thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen.